No, it's more fun this way. Wait, are we doing... And we are all welcome to... We are. Let's do we are. <laughs> and we, we are... are <laughs> the Lazy, Lazy Book Lovers. Lovers. It was fun, hey? <laughs> uh, oh, well, <laughs> hi. I think that sums up our... I think our that is just... Mind space. <laughs> sums the context no more needed. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna go straight in. No tangenting. No, we're doing. It was it Black History Month. Was it this in month February. or it was February? February. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I couldn't remember. <laughs> so last month. Last month was Black History Month. Yeah. But because we record a bit in advance, we already done our things, so mm-hmm. we were, we're like, let's do it now. So I've done some very sophisticated research. I found some lists from more intelligent people. Sophisticated. <laughs> Yeah, I found some lists by some cleverer people, mm. and I'm just gonna talk about the books on there. Yeah, if our internet will allow. And as a reminder, everyone, you can read POC authors all year round. Yes, <laughs> yes. Don't just, not not just for this month. Have to do it, and not just at the end of the year, so you can cram a load in. So when you do your roundup of the year, it looks like you're diverse. Yeah, or you could be like me, who sees these lists bunch of very interesting books adds them to the pile of shame and gets to them in like a year and a half's time yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is what i've done so much mm. there was a, a list of like really cool like ya diversity list of like ya fantasy fiction which is obviously my wheelhouse so i was like this is how i can get involved but still read like because i don't i'm not really good at non-fiction yeah so i was like cool I can get involved like this and <laughs> support creators and stuff. Yeah. And then so I went and like researched the ones that sounded like they were on my street and then bought a bunch of them. And then I'm still haven't read about most of them. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem when you like I think Gilded Ones was the only one off those lists I've actually gotten to. Yeah. And then I think Ember in the Ashes I've got from a different list, but it's included on those lists quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's I'd be interested to see what you think of Legendborn. Yeah. I saw I saw someone's TikTok review of it and I, it looked really cool, so that's why I bought it. I started it as an audio. I only listened to about an hour and then stopped, but it might have just been that I wasn't in the right mm. frame of mind, so I'll probably try it again another time. Mm. Oh, and I, I want to disclaimer this, because the reason we've found these kind of lists, obviously, is we are both white. Mm-hmm. We are not people of colour. We have not grown up in an area that's particularly diverse. Mm-hmm. So... I just want to disclaim that right now. <laughs> These are white voices talking about books to do with Black History Month. And it, Black History Month is America's Black History Month as well. Yeah. So there's, I just want to acknowledge those few like factors when we're talking about these books and stuff like that as well. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, this is obviously white voices, voices maybe talking about an experience we don't share. Yeah. So I'm just putting it out there, which is why I've gone and found some lists. <laughs> so this is Goodreads one. So 2022 Black History Month books. Mm. Not arranged by genre. Ah, that would be way too simple, wouldn't it? It's just kind of like a... Just a, a mixture. Top ten kind of list, okay, basically. yeah, oh, I like that. Yeah. First one on the list is The Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead. 
I have this on my TBR. I want to read this. I've never heard of it. I don't know. I don't really know why. No, I'm trying to remember why I wanted to read it. <laughs> I think it it was read for a book group that I dip in and out of. I'm going to read like the first paragraph of the synopsis, yeah, and then also what it's based on because yeah. I think that's quite interesting, like context for it as well. Mm. Elwood Curtis has taken the words of Dr. Martin Luther King to heart. He is as good as anyone. Abandoned by his parents, brought up by his loving, strict, and clear-sighted grandmother. Elwood is about to enrol in the local black college, but given the time and the place, one innocent mistake is enough to destroy his future, and so Elwood arrives at the Nickel Academy, which claims to provide physical, intellectual, and moral training, which will equip its inmates to become honourable and honest men. Inmates? So it's one of these reform schools. Oh. So this is why I was like, the context might be interesting. Mm. We're not going to read like the full synopsis for some of them, because some of them are very long. And we, you know, I don't know how interesting that is to listen to, yeah, so no. I'm abbreviating a little yeah, bit. Yeah, look it up. <laughs> the whole point of this is for you to go away and find these books yourselves. So, this is based on the history of a real reform school in Florida that operated for 111 years and warped and destroyed the lives of thousands of children. The Nickel Boys is a devastating, driven narrative by a great American novelist whose work is essential to understanding the current reality of the United States. So he has written some other books, such as The Underground Railroad. I was going to say The Underground Railroad is him, isn't it? Yeah. That's another one I want to read. Yeah. This is about those reform schools, which oh, I didn't actually know, which seems obvious to me, probably. I didn't know they had reform schools that were for <clears throat> like African-Americans, as well as I thought it was just the natives that had attended these schools, but I didn't know they had different schools mm. for... Which I guess should have seemed obvious, but this is American history, yeah. and they don't even learn their own history properly. So yeah, how we? So yeah, didn't know about that. Interesting. Yeah, no. Interesting. That does sound good. So that's a bit of also history you can learn there. So the next one in this particular list, it's the fifth season, The Broken Earth Number One by N. K. Jemison. Have I said that right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. It's another one on my list. <laughs> it's just going to be a bunch of books that I've yeah, been wanting to get round to. We get to. <laughs> the YA fantasy fiction. Like, yeah. you just, it's going to be everything on my shelf, apparently. Yeah. This is the way the world ends, again. Uh, three terrible things happen in a single day. Essen, a woman living an ordinary life in a small town, comes home to find that her husband has brutally murdered their son and kidnapped their daughter. Meanwhile, mighty Sanzi, the world-spanning empire, whose innovations have been civilizations bedrock for thousands of years, collapses as most of its citizens are murdered to serve a madman's vengeance. And worst of all, across the heart of the vast continent known as the Stillness, great name, a great red rift has been torn into the heart of the earth, spewing ash to darken sky for years or centuries. Oh, so, so I think good. it's just all about her adventure, trying to save her yeah. family. It's a series, isn't it? Yes, it says number one. Mm. So I don't know the next one's coming. Yeah, so this author is from New York. Yeah, that's been on my list for a while. I've only heard good things about it. Yeah, that's... Um, Sounds like my kind of thing. Yeah. Don't know why I haven't got it. Maybe I should check in these lists. Yeah. Just add them all to your way to read. The Salt Roads by Nalo Hopkinson. A landmark work by a brilliant young author, The Salt Roads transports readers across centuries and civilizations as it fearlessly explores the relationships women have with their lovers, their people, and the divine. Jeanne Duval, the ginger coloured entertainer, struggles with her lover poet, Charles Baudelaire. 
Plantation Slave and Doctor, both Hungus Four and Dread's Liberation and Tyus, a dark-skinned beauty from Alexandria, is impelled to seek glorious revelation. Oh god, this is all like a lot of words. Yeah. <laughs> Azizio, a beauty born of hope, unites them all. Interweaving acts of brutality with passion, unions of spirit and flesh, this narrative that shocks, entertains and dazzles from an award-winning writer who dares to redefine the art of storytelling. That sounds... Intense. Intellectual. <laughs> um, like, yeah, definitely interesting. So this is a Jamaican-born writer who lives in Canada. Mm. Science fiction and fantasy novels, short stories often draw on Caribbean history, language and its traditions of oral and written storytelling. Interesting. Again, that's going to talk about some of the history of the South. Yeah. But in the context of just like women's relationships, which I think is. I really like these bits where you learn history, but it's like around a different, like a narrative. Yeah, yeah. Like when it's telling a story and teaching you without teaching you. Yeah, yeah. Because then you feel smart as well when you're reading it, so it's good. Just refresh it. Just to refresh it each time. I hope not. Look what (laughs) my. iPad's not oh, done. No. I don't know how this has happened. If anyone wants to move away from Goodreads, check out the story graph. It's much better in many ways and it's black owned, so definitely check it out. Yes, and you wouldn't have annoying bubbles. Exactly. And you can do half and quarter stars. Can you? And you can uh, you add to content warnings so you can filter out certain content triggers. Good. Yeah, I don't really use goodreads that much to be honest like i don't keep goodreads shelf and all that up to date i used to and now i just use story graph so i only use goodreads to review indie authors okay see. yeah, it helps yeah, it helps, them, yeah. Um, is it working now sort of i've managed to get the new one open and Yay. that's what's important homecoming by ya giasa i'll spell it for you so it's y-a-a and her surname is G-Y-A-S-I. Oh. Oh, I've looked at this book. Not sure. So this is Homegoing. A novel of breathtaking sweep and emotional power that traces 300 years in Ghana and along the way also becomes a truly great American novel. Extraordinary for its exquisite language, its implacable sorrow, its soaring beauty and for its monumental portrayal of the forces that shape families, nations... Homegoing heralds the arrival of a major new voice in contemporary fiction. Two half-sisters, Effia and yes, Essie, are born into different villages in the 18th century Ghana. Effia is married off to an Englishman and lives in comfort in the palatial rooms of Cape Coast Castle. Unbeknownst to Effia, her sister Essie is imprisoned beneath her in the castle's dungeons, sold with thousands of others into the Gold Coast booming slave trade, and shipped off to America where her children and grandchildren will be raised in slavery. One thread of homegoing follows Effia's descendants through centuries of warfare in Ghana as the Fanti and Asante nations wrestle with the slave trade and the British colonisation. The other thread follows Essie and her children into America from the plantations of the South to the Civil War and the Great Migration from coal mines of Pratt City, Alabama to the jazz clubs and dope houses of 20th century Harlem. Right up through to the present day, Homegoing makes history visceral and captures with singular and stunning immediacy how the memory of captivity came to be inscribed in the soul of the nation. Oh, that's how long is this brilliant. book? Goodreads doesn't say how long they are, does it? Yeah, I think it does, doesn't it? Where does it say that? Is it not down in this bit? Oh, 305 pages? How? 
What? There's so much. Like, okay, that's got to be so crazy. interesting because that's too. I mean, we know American history a little bit, mm. but the history in Ghana, like, I, that's ignorance on my part. Mm. I don't really know anything. No, I mean, I barely know English history, to be completely <laughs> <Yeah>. honest. <laughs> it's only because my dad likes history documentaries yeah. that I know anything. <laughs> and we liked a bit of Time Team when I was younger. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> Time Team. I think the only history I know um, about anything is from, like, true crime podcasts when yeah. they're setting the scene of, a, of an olden day. <laughs> the context. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, Time Team for non-English... <laughs> Is. is that like the little architectural dig thing? Or am I thinking of Yes, it was show? a TV series where they went to like dig sites around the UK and you literally spend like an hour watching them like dig around a rock and it's just like them a bunch of archaeologists like yeah. brushing like dirt off a rock yeah, and you're like, I okay, that that's now. a cool rock. <laughs> but sometimes they find coins and stuff. Sick rock, bro. And I went, we did a family holiday where we um, went to one of those big fancy houses that they have you know they have bigger states and they were doing like a time team for kids thing so we got to do like a little archaeological dig but it was obviously like planted stuff yeah and my brother and i used to (laughs) they're probably still in the garden they're gonna confuse someone one day we used to we had roman coins and stuff from when we went to york yeah you can just like buy them can't you we buried them in the garden to do oh, our own time team and then we couldn't so find good. them. Oh my god, yeah, one day someone's going to be like, oh my god, is this like a burial? <laughs> like, yeah, we, we buried r- like a bunch of different like... Roman? <laughs> we, uh, we buried other stuff though. I can't remember. I just remember the coins mm. and then we couldn't find oh, them. Oh, that's so it's funny. It's in the bit, you know, my, the big fig tree is. That's yeah, like in the roughly. big tree that's I've always... I've not seen your garden for a while, to be fair. It's the one that's like, will fill my window oh, in the yeah, summer. yeah, yeah, yeah. That tree is that bit of earth there. Oh, so I just, one day, <laughs> one day someone's going to dig that tree up and be like, "Duh." <laughs> anyway, we we digress. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm not very good at history in general, but yeah, this is definitely bits of history I wouldn't really know. No, that sounds interesting. And how that's crammed into 305 pages. I like the concept. That's very of impressive. The, um, like the opposing lives that happen to them, like that vanishing half or whatever. Not yeah, like I think book. that's on a list later. I oh. do have that book also. <laughs> Because, of course, I do. Yeah. But I think that's parallel of the two experiences, basically. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, it's crazy. So we've got Harlem Shuffle by Colson Whitehead, same author. Yeah, he's got, like, so many books. These people, and they're busy. Ray Carney, who's only slightly bent when it came to being crooked. <laughs> that's, like, in quote marks. Yeah. <laughs> to his customers and neighbours, it's on 125th Street, Carney is an upstanding salesman of reasonably priced furniture, making a decent life for himself and his family. He and his wife Elizabeth are expecting their second child, and if her parents on Strivers Row don't approve of him, or their cramped apartment across from the subway tracks, it's still home. Few people know he descends from a line of uptown hooks and crooks. Hoods hoods and crooks. Oh my god. Hoods and crooks. Uh, and this facade of normalcy has more than a few cracks in it, cracks that are getting bigger all the time. Uh, I mean, the summary for this is so long, it's literally the entire screen of the iPad. I think that, um, <laughs> from what I can gather about his books, a lot of them are kind of like slice of lifey, mm. which is definitely a genre I enjoy. Again, it's like teaching history, mm. like the, the history of Harlem without actually teaching you it, it's just yeah. a story of someone in Harlem. Yeah, exactly. Which I like that, because it also puts the person at the centre of the narrative, it's not like... It gives you something to follow, doesn't mm. it? Yeah, that sounds good. 
Have I got two bubbles on the screen again? Hold on. Okay. You're getting bubbled. Bubbled. So the Black Cabinet, the untold story of African Americans and politics during the age of Roosevelt by Jill Watts. In the early 20th century, most African Americans still lived in the South, disenfranchised, impoverished and terrorised by white violence and denied the basic rights of citizenship. As the Democrats swept into the White House on a wave of black defectors from the party of Lincoln, a group of African American intellectuals, legal minds, social scientists, media folk sought to get the community needs on the table. This would become the Black Cabinet, a group of African American racial affairs experts working throughout the New Deal forming an unofficial advisory council to the lobby president. Is this non-fiction? To lobby the president. Non-fiction, yeah. Ah, I was going to say, that sounds really realistic for a... <laughs> <laughs> it just sounded like... It can't be... It just sounded too too involved in real-life things. <laughs> yeah. Jill Watts, The Black Cabinet, is a dramatic full-scale examination of the forgotten moment that speaks directly to our own. Mm, interesting. Again. That sounds quite cool. It's like uh there was a series that I didn't I missed that was on the BBC that was like um the Black and British history and like among the aristocracy as well. Mm. There's a really good book um about it's called Black and British. I think that's why <laughs> maybe it's the same, the same thing. Yeah. I think it might be say because he's written Black and British for kids. He's like wrote mm. the kids' version as well. Let me double check his name because I listened to the audio of that and it was brilliant. It's, and it must I reckon it's probably the same person and it went through like the entire history David Ulusoga but it was like all these um paintings that aren't hung up anywhere of like black aristocracy yeah or people in aristocratic wear or in the upper classes and all these all these portraits that, that just aren't hung anywhere and, I, and like, it was really I oh. wish I'd watched it and no, I don't know where to find it <laughs> I don't know what it was called. I don't know if it was called Black and British or... I can't remember. This is like a half-remembered... I was like, that's interesting. Didn't write it down and therefore... Ping, gone. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, pick up that book. It sounded really um, intense. I thought, yeah, I'm not very good at non-fiction, so maybe that would be one (laughs) you listen to as an audio. Yeah, yeah. So this one is The Secret Lives of Church Ladies by Disha Villier. I'm just reading it as it sounds on the page. The Secret Lives of Church Ladies explores the raw and tender places where black women and girls dare to follow their desires and pursue a momentary reprieve from being good. The nine stories in this collection feature four generations of characters grappling with who they want to be in this world, caught as they are between the church's double standards and their own needs and passions. With secret longings, the new love and forbidden affairs, these church ladies are as seductive as they want to be as vulnerable as they need to be and as unfaithful and unrepentant as they care to be and as free as they deserve to be. Snap, I like the sound of this one. Oh my God, yeah. So yeah, this is a collection of short stories. Oh, I love that, throughout ge- the generations. That yeah. just sounds really cool. It's, like, it's basically on sex and the black church. Oh, I like the sound of that one. Which is again another, I guess, thing I haven't really ever experienced. It's that church-going experience I was going to say I never experienced church really (laughs) I've experienced church from an outside perspective where I've gone to support friends for various reasons I've even been to a friend of mine he was in a gospel church in Birmingham when I um, was there for uni Mm. and he was performing in their Christmas show Mm. so he asked us to come and we went and I was like 
I've never experienced anything like this because everyone like was dancing like, and like and I felt so awkward because <laughs> I'm, like, so, I'm not like I'm quite reserved in that yeah. way of like in those kind of situations I just don't know how to dance Let go, yeah. like how like how big to go as well because <laughs> like yeah, it's not my that. space it's yeah. not my church <laughs> yeah um Aww. we were in a lot of they took a lot of pictures of us and we were like are we going to be in the leaflet? <laughs> <laughs> People don't dance. <laughs> I'm not going to go for this full because there's quite a few here and there's another list I want to get to, which is mm. like the Wardstones list, which is a lot more in-depth. Real Life by Brandon Taylor. Mm. Almost everything about Wallace is at odds with the Midwestern university town where he was working. Uneasily towards a biochem degree, an introverted young man from Alabama, black and queer, he has left behind his family without escaping the long shadows of his childhood. For reasons of self-preservation, Wallace has enforced a wary distance even within his own circle of friends. Some dating each other, some dating women, some feigning straightness, but over the course of a late summer weekend, a series of confrontations with colleagues and an unexpected encounter with an ostensibly straight white classmate conspire to fracture his defences whilst exposing long-hidden currents of hostility and desire within their community. So wow. this is a the black and queer experience, I guess, and yeah. again, America, con- American context, American South, mm. which must be quite a dangerous place to be black and queer. <laughs> yeah, complicated line to walk. Mm. It doesn't say when in history it's set. Be nowadays. <laughs> like, <laughs> to be fair, yeah, this could be at any point. Yeah. <laughs> no offense, Americans. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow, that one is definitely like high out the ones you've listed that I would want to read. Yeah. Here for it, or How to Save Your Soul in America, Essays, by R. Eric Thomas. Mm. R. Eric Thomas didn't know he was different until the world told him so. Everywhere he went, whether it was his rich, mostly white suburban high school, his conservative black church, or the Ivy League college in a big city, he found himself on the outside looking in. In essays by turns hysterical and heartfelt, Eric redefines what it means to be other through the lens of his own life experience. He explores the two worlds of his childhood, the barren urban landscape where his parents' house was an anomalous bright spot and the verdant school that sent him into white suburbia. He writes about struggling to reconcile his Christian identity with his sexuality, about the exhaustion of code-switching in college, accidentally getting famous on the internet for the wrong reason, and the surreal experience of covering the 2016 election, as well as the seismic change that came thereafter. That's not the full summary, but it's quite long, so... So this is non-fiction, it's listed as. Autobiographical memoir, so this is, I guess, R.M. Thomas's actual experience, which is interesting. Um, humour, LGBT, um, yeah. Hmm. So that's the kind of categories it came under. That sounds quite cool. So this is a best-selling author, playwright, and screenwriter. Oh, brilliant. Very busy boy. Mm. Okay, and this is my final one from this list. Mm -hmm. It's Rosa Parks' Little People Big Dreams series Mm. by Elizabeth Kayser and Marta Antello. Um, that was the in- illustrations of Marta Antello. In the Little People Big Dream series, discover the lives of outstanding people from designers and artists to scientists. All of them achieved incredible things, yet each began a life as a child with a dream. Rosa Parks grew up during segregation in Alabama, but she was taught to respect herself and stand up for her rights. In 1955, Rosa refused to give up her seat for a white man on a segregated bus, sparking the Montgomery bus boycott. 
Her decision had a huge impact on civil rights, eventually leading to the end of segregation on public transport. Rosa was described as the mother of the freedom movement. This inspiring story of Rosa's life is moving and approachable for young readers. So if you kind of see, the cover is like a, more of a cartoon. So I think this I've is a young reader's this. one. It's a series that mm. they make for like kids. Yeah. yeah. I didn't actually know about Rosa Parks' story um, until they did a Doctor Who episode on it. Do you know how I learned about Rosa Parks? I used to really like the series Dance Mums. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they did Rosa Parks, but as a dance. Oh, okay. But like an interpretive dance, or...? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, did, they did some other ones that were really impactful. And one was about, like, child trafficking, and that, that was really... Oh. So sometimes it's, like, randomly oh. the dances were quite deep. But this episode, basically there was one african-american girl on the dance team and did they make her play rosa parks yes but i mean that's appropriate yeah but there was a point at which they were going to cast someone else a white child as rosa parks and that's like the drama in the episode is it and it's all just obviously played up for tv i don't think there's any kind of right on that is there (laughs) she's the only person of color in that team yeah so there is to me i don't know Oh, if she wants There's no to right, play it. Yeah. So I think it would be completely wrong to... Be like, if she doesn't want to play it, and you're like, but you're black. You but can you imagine them her. dancing, all of them dancing on screen, and one person playing Razor Parks, but then there is a yeah. person of colour over there yeah. playing a white person for segregation in this story. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I just think there's no... No is it, right, really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's just, right. it's really weird. It's because this... TV oh. series is old, so the way it's handled on that episode it's is really dodgy. Yeah. But that's how we, oh, <laughs> so yeah, we yeah. learned that history. So we both learned it from <laughs> TV. <laughs> oh dear. But the, the worst part is, like, I know the names of some big American revolutionists, but I don't know the British ones. No. I know it happened earlier in British history, not that much earlier, like 100 years before ish. Mm. But I still know those names. And I probably should just research it, having said that. But <laughs> yeah, but it also feels like something that we should get taught in school. Yeah. Like, I think Americans, some Americans do get taught some of this, whereas mm. I don't remember us. Oh, but have you seen... Mm, here's a bit of a tangent. Oh, yeah, about their banned books and... No, have you seen what they're doing in the UK with the education? I know they've changed the rules about what they're allowed to teach. Yeah, yeah they're just basically saying you have to teach both sides of everything. Oh, okay. Um, no, but not, not in a good way. It's because some Oh, schools, they're doing pro? Some schools have been teaching about what white privilege is and they don't want that being taught in school, so you have to teach both sides. How can you argue against that? But... It's not, a, it's not an opinion. What is the other side? That there's white oppression? Because there isn't. Exactly. Like, what? What is the other side of that to tell? Conservatives just need to get their nose out. <laughs> of education. Because, oh. like, I remember being taught about the slave trade mm. and the tragedy of it, but not the historical context of, yeah. like, this was British colonialism. I don't remember being taught anything like that. I, I think it was unusual that I was even taught that. What, in junior school? In, in um, senior. Oh. In history. Um, but it was an optional but, module. But history, the history teacher chose. It's definitely something that I would have only cared to remember if it was something that interested me. So we did it in GCSE. I think so. It might have been an optional one. See, for my GCSE, we did like we did about Adolf Hitler. 
I've said that with confidence. Oh, is either GCC or is year nine? I can't remember. Year nine comes before. So GCC is the exams you kind of take toward the end when you're like 15, 16. And then you go on to like what's called sixth form or college, which is like you're 16 to 18. So I don't remember which, when I was taught it, I just remember being taught it and we watched a few films to do with it. Oh, that's cool. I can't remember what the films we watched. The only history I remember being taught is World War Two because it was the only one that interested me. And in junior school, I only remember being taught about the Tudors because I, I was interested in the Tudors. <laughs> I really like the days, you know, where they do, you dress up as a Tudor and you come in and they have like yeah. a little market hall, and like how the Tudors have like done it. We like dress up as a Victorian day as well. And like we learnt the song, you know, the... Spread... Were you not taught that? It was like the song to do with the War of the Roses, and there was a song made about like back then. I remember we learned the Greensleeves song. Roses, will I ever see I remember the tune. I remember. I saw to someone. Yeah, the War like the Roses. It's like a song. Oh no! And we were taught it, and I'm like it. It was one of those ones that got added to like the loop in my brain for years. And my ex was really confused about why I knew all the lyrics to the Greensleeves song, and I was like, well, I, don't I just even, do. I don't know what that is. Alas, my love, I knew him well. Yes, I do know. Yeah. <laughs> 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 History, eh? Yeah. See, if they're songs, we remember it. Yeah. It's still in our heads, little earworms. Mm-hmm. I remember World War Two. We watched Schindler's List in class. What? Yeah, oh we watched God. it in pieces in class because you couldn't get through that in one, even a double period. That's so intense. Surely there was I've just not seen it. Thirty it teenagers sat around a TV on wheels. You know, one of the big TVs as well. Yeah. We're not talking particularly sophisticated. <laughs> and like the end. And there is just, it's just a room full of teenagers trying to pretend they're not crying. Yeah. I was sat, I remember I was sat on a desk. I wasn't even sat like, in a chair. I was yeah. sat on a desk just crying. Yeah. And there was just like, I remember seeing boys like trying to like hide it oh. and stuff. And it's like, well, this is really sad. It's the bit where um all the survivors, they go past. That basically, he saves a lot of people. Okay. He finds a way to save a lot of Jewish people from the Holocaust. He saves, like, hundreds of hundreds of lives. And then at the end, they show all the descendants putting, putting like, things on his grave. Mm-hmm. And you just see this big pile of, like, things on his grave of, like, Aww. people that he saved. It's quite, it's quite, like, moving. But <laughs> when you are 14 or something and you're <laughs> in lesson and I just, and I was really, like, oh. You know, the uncomfortable trousers. I just mean, like, you're not comfy no, in school clothes. No. And the horrible blouse, the uncomfortable trousers, just sat there, like, crying. crying class, and then it? it's like, now go to PE. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Yay! Oh, my God. Ooh, so we just tapped a memory there. But, yeah, we also watched... We did watch a movie that was to do with the slave trade, but I can't remember what the movie was. And then we also did the history of the Native Americans, but, again, missing that historical context of... Like, that was British people going over. That wasn't Americans back then. <laughs> anyway. So maybe my school did try and be a bit progressive yeah. for the time. But I was just missing that context of that. Like, that was the English. <laughs> yeah, they just glossed over that part. Yeah, and if you travel as a Brit, it's quite... <sighs> Colonial. It's really hard when you're going Even places. Now. And 
they always just like, and this happened because of the British. Look at me, because I'm the only Brit, and I'm like, all right, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I was in Malta and I did like the tour of what happened to them, mm. and I was like, oh my. Well, in Burma, my country's bad. <laughs> in Burma, that's not even old history. That is no, recent the thing, history. Yeah. There's a railway which is like they called the Death Railway, and unfortunately, I can't remember the real name for this railway. But bad stuff happened, and the guy took us there to have a selfie with this railway. And I was just like, maybe we don't take a selfie with the death railway. <laughs> That's as bad as the Jake Paul, whichever Paul it was that went mm. to the suicide forest. I can't remember what it's actually called. Oh, God, yeah. That and thing. he actually recorded a body in the background. Oh, I didn't. I never knew what the... I knew he did the recorded a body. I never knew what the context was. He went to that suicide forest. And, oh, no, mm. it's not called suicide forest. I can't remember what it's called. I know the first you're talking about, though. Yeah, and recorded himself pissing about and there with his friends and they have a body in the background <laughs> yeah and we the, to be fair they, the guy did try really hard to make sure we learned the history that's the only thing I will say yeah. so most of the places we did really respectful things but there was this one where it was like oh people line up on this bridge and they get a picture and I'm like no ah. <laughs> not, not sure right. <laughs> not sure why it doesn't feel right it doesn't feel right um, anyway it's a different discussion. Moving on. <laughs> okay, I've got this list, which is the Waterstones list. Yeah. And I thought of this one, I was just going to rattle off. Yeah, that sounds the good. Names and titles. Mm-hmm. So, uh, new and best selling, the top four or five it's got here. Mm-hmm. The Vanishing Half, Britt Bennett. Yeah. Which I have, that. and yeah. I really want to read. Me and White Supremacy, Layla F. Sad, mm-hmm. Tony Morrison. Beloved. I've never actually read any Toni Morrison. I really yeah. was it to. beloved. I'm just no, like, oh. I thought you said beloved read, isn't beloved by me. No, I want to read beloved by. Um, no, this is recitative. I don't have to say that. Although beloved is how I read it. Yeah, it's, and I got really confused thinking a lot of American booktubers I was following were talking about a different book because they call it beloved. And I was like, is oh. it a different book? And then I realised, no, that's just, we pronounce it differently. I never even realised they pronounce it differently. In Search of Mary Seacole, Helen Rappaport. Uh, notes on grief. Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. I like grief. <laughs> that's, that's our That's what, <laughs> That's my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, because we are British, there is a list in Waterstones that's black British history yeah, which I've already admitted to not knowing a great deal about yep. Natives by Akala Race and Class in the Ruins of the Empire oh, I mean have you heard you watch any videos of Akala speak no. like the intelligence of this man mm. and like he's a really good way of explaining it they trot him out on a lot of news things where they're discussing race, racial issues yeah or he gives lots of like seminars and stuff like that as oh, well. Okay. Lots of t- look him up. Yeah. Because I've never had someone explain Black British history the way he can explain it mm. as well, yeah. and it's really interesting. And a lot of the um, because there's a lot of classism in the UK. Yeah. And he talks about it in the context of that and how race interplays with that and where yeah. it doesn't as well. Okay, that sounds cool. So like, if someone was talking about like. It was a big old thing about black on black crime in London and knife crime and that. And he was like, okay, but why aren't you co- quoting like the crime statistics of Glasgow? Whether that was white on white crime. And he was like, the only denominator there was their social class. And in Glasgow, they took the steps to fix the social disparity, which fixed the violence. Yeah. 
So he was like, we're not talking, it's not a racial issue in London, it's a it's a social disparity issue. Yeah. And so he, like, it does, the class which comes into it a lot more in the UK, it was really interesting. But anyway, so obviously he has a book there. definitely up my street then. He's quite a few books, so that might be one to add to your audios. Yeah, definitely, yeah. But I think my mum bought, <laughs> hasn't read yet, like, we're just a serial book buyers, but not readers. Yeah. But at least they got the money and the support. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so Black and British, A Forgotten History. By David Olusegaba. Ah, Black and British. Yeah, Black and British. Yeah, we had a whole discussion. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Black Tudors, which oh, interesting. Hello, because people like don't realise how early we had diversity in the UK. Like people act like it's just like a really recent thing. Oh, yeah, but like, no, it's not. <laughs> there, no, it's a really long time ago. Oh, I'm like Tudors and history. What? Yeah, that's Miranda Kaufman. Um, and like, look at the front cover as well. It's so that Tudor. That just looks so good. Oh, I need that one. So again, this is a erasure of black people from like British history, yeah. which is it's a long history. People act like they, we didn't have people of different colours like, in this country. People, like it only happened in the sixties or whatever. Like. Or like in the eighteen hundreds or something. Like yeah. no, it's not a recent thing. So Brit ish in brackets. The ish is in brackets. Athua Hetch on race, identity, and belonging. Yeah. Sounds good. Yes. And then, big topical, the recent context politically, they've got a bunch of books to do with the Windrush generation. Yeah. That's like, that's what I was thinking of. That's the one where people think we we yeah. really got diverse bits. I know that was So, just... Windrush generation, this is a very vague knowledge of that history again, ignorance on my part. It was, it's post World War Two, where people in the British colonies in the Caribbean who helped fight in World War Two? so we had entire regiments that were mm-hmm. from conscripted from colonial places. As part of that, we obviously had lost a great deal of working men and women yeah. from that age generation in World War Two. So they were brought over to be workers and also as like to say thank you for fighting for us. Yeah. They were granted well, citizenship. I was say, were they given citizenship? They yep. were. They were they? Yeah. guaranteed like your life is going to be here. Yeah. And then basically there's been a whole controversy, a lot of people from the Windrush generation being deported yeah. or threatened to be deported, their children and grandchildren, because mm-hmm. this was... Just after war, wasn't it? 50s, yeah. 40s, yeah. 50s. So, yeah, that's all been happening recently. That is a recent thing. They've started to try to deport people from the Windrush generation. Because of their immigration and Brexit yeah. bullshit policies that yeah. they're coming up with now. And everyone was like... People who have built a life here. Yeah. And well, not just this that, is their home. They're children and grandchildren who yeah. have never, like, maybe they're have visited. De- they're being deported to places they've never lived. Yeah. Yeah. But that's happening That's happening to everyone. Yeah. At the moment. Um, yeah. Not it, well, it's obviously the wind rush is the worst because it, it was a promise they made. Mm-hmm. Like a generational promise. Oh, it's just... So... It's the top four in the list. There's no racism in the UK. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just because we got rid of slavery a couple hundred years earlier than America doesn't mean it's not a huge... Yeah. Yeah. So, The Good Immigrant by Nikesh Shukla. Mm -hmm. says, 21 flighters reflect on race in contemporary Britain. Wow. So, that author I just quoted is the editor. So, she obviously brought the collection together. Oh, I said cheat then, but I think they is a better word to use. And then we've got Small Island by Andrea Levy. And it doesn't give me any, like, you know, a lot of them have a line underneath explaining what it yeah. is. 
But, I mean, because this is the Windrush section, we can assume. We can assume, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Story of Windrush by K.N. Chimbiri. Mm-hmm. And that can you see everyone, like, dressed in front of a, a ship in, like, oh, 1950s yeah. kind of clothing. And then I've got one that is, I presume, meant for children. Coming to England by fellow Ella Benjamin. An inspiring true story celebrating the Windrush generation. And then, so this is this, considering we are obviously white voices in this. Reading for Change, book for allies and activists. That sounds like us. Yes. So, this is the canon by Joan Anim Addo. Decolonise yourself in 50 books. So I'm going to click on that for a bit more context, actually, because I don't know if that's going to be like a list of other things to read. In this essential and long overdue decolonisation of literary canon, Anim Adu and Osborne and Cisse provide the reader with a brilliant, enriching introduction to post-colonial fiction, celebrating powerful voices and diverse cultural perspectives from around the world. So this is another well-known book. Why I'm no longer talking to white people about race. Oh, I've got that at home. Yeah, we've got that too. (laughs) Uh, That's Rennie Edo Lodge. That was a big one that was going around during the protests in 2020. Yeah. That was going around in the UK. Women, Race and Class, Angela Y. Davis. How to Argue with a Racist by Adam Rutherford. We should probably read that. <laughs> History, Science, Race and Reality. It has it written underneath. So there's one I would add to the list. Mm-hmm. I've not actually finished it. It's a non-fiction called Biased by Jennifer L. Eberhard. And yeah. she is the narrator as well, if you listen to it as an audio. Okay. Um, so she is a, a social psychologist and she works with the police and things like that about trying to stop, or you can't stop it, unfortunately, but she works on bringing awareness to unconscious bias that yeah. we have. She is, yeah, it, it was really good what I was listening to. So she was talking about how she she's she's based in america so it's all mostly based in america she was talking to she used to do tours um, and talks at different police stations mm. um, are they called stations though? i think so yeah. yeah yeah um, and uh to try and teach them to not assume that everyone of color was a criminal etc mm. etc and she said that she had like one policeman approach her who was um black american mm. and he said to her that once he was walking through the lobby of somewhere that was like a glass thing and out of the corner of his eye mm. he saw a black man approaching and he automatically thought they were dangerous then realized it was his reflection and oh, he's God. a policeman so it's so ingrained in him from yeah his training and stuff that internalized yeah. yeah it was really really good this book was the reason why i learned that um the reason like, it's not it's, it's not actually it's, it could be racism, but generally it's not racism as to why people will say they struggle to define features on people of different. Well, colors. no, that's socialization to do with what you're familiar with. So you've had growing yes, up so around she people. She says in the first like ten months of your life, whatever you see, your brain wires mm. that as the norm so to speak yeah so if you don't have like a diverse group around you when you're first born you get you effectively get like feature blind yeah. like color blind face blindness face it? blindness yeah. yeah 
and yeah she talks she goes into depth of all that kind of stuff like how it starts so early mm. and yeah she goes on from there it's really interesting yeah i've i want to say i watched a video or it might have even been a tiktok or it might, it might have done it in psychology i can't remember but i remember yeah. you learn about what's familiar to you mm. i guess so if you want your kids to i don't know bring them up in a diverse area or at least give them access to diversity yeah in their media i guess yeah important thing yeah like my son we try or i try in particular to have very diverse books available to him i want him to see different yeah families represented etc like he has glasses and he has to wear an eye patch i don't know if i told you he has to wear an eye patch he refuses to so we've got like a book of the main character has an eye patch but it's never spoken about she just has an eye patch yeah there's so many good books like that out there so that's like what we can do because i do live in a small village in england so it's primarily white yeah and that was one of the things that put me off sending him to the village school because i was like it's just a white school yeah and and his best friend isn't white and so, so someone was like but his best friend's not white and i'm like it's well, just a one predominantly person. white yeah. school like just because <laughs> you one person that gonna one teach him? person like i want you know i was like that's yeah. like one of those people that's like but my best friend's black no yeah. like <laughs> literally but i was like yeah but it's still a predominantly white village the school is predominantly white middle class Mm. children yeah he's not getting diversity he's not learning about other people so it falls down to us at the home to teach him that kind of stuff yeah there was a tv series i never watched it but i saw a bunch of clips of it on tiktok they did like an exchange Mm. of like kids being sent to have dinner in different households of like kids they wouldn't normally interact with yeah it was a very what so they were just with the family the kid wasn't like they swapped kids like wife swap kind of thing with the kids. no was it was the kid... the kid was there oh okay right and like so they'd have just have like dinner together yeah but then <laughs> there was this scottish boy who'd been brought up in like rural scotland mm. very thick scottish accent and in the beginning they asked him like what are things you know about and he was going to have dinner with a Muslim family. And obviously he was like, what he'd picked up from the media is what he talked about. Which I'm not going to name here because we don't need to do that. But then he went there. Because it's probably uh, <laughs> dramatised for the media. Well, biased. Heavily yeah. biased. But I mean, me- recent media, the way they tr- treat anyone. Anyone, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he went to have dinner and he was just asking all these questions. And it was just so interesting. Yeah. Because he was probably asking, he's a kid, asking very blunt questions. Yes. That maybe if you haven't grown up around people from a different religion, you'd want to ask yourself, but you can't because you're an adult. Yeah, like, I have questions I would love to just bluntly ask people. And there was another one, he went to a house that had, like, Caribbean food, and, like, Mm. the little girl was explaining to him the food, and stuff like that. And it was just, it was very... I can't. I saw it in clips though, and I can't remember the name yeah. of this series. Oh, that sounds cute. But it was like just through the eyes of a kid, and it's just like proof as well. If you just did that early, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I do want to acknowledge that obviously, um, it is from a place of privilege that I even have the resources to teach yeah. my son these various things. You know, well, we you... make a good use of the library and stuff like that. But I just want to acknowledge that. Yeah, it you isn't can't always, but it isn't as hard as people make out as well. As I said, we make good use of the library. We make good yeah. use of YouTube videos and things like that. But I am aware. 
I'm think in a also, privileged position that I can do that with I him. think children's just children's TV series. They're more likely to have diverse characters in now. Yeah, and... Um, compared to when we were kids. Yeah, and they're, like, the, they're the shows I tend to like as well. <laughs> yeah. He's... Well, actually, I was going to say his favourite show, but it's actually not. It's my <laughs> favourite show that I always ask him to watch. And yeah. he's like, no, it's boring. And I'm like, it's not boring. It's an Australian show called Bluey, and it's just so cute. And I'm always like, let's watch Bluey. And he's like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I genuinely watched it when I was sick by myself. Whatever. It's just so cute. <laughs> well, it's like oh, yeah. what Sesame Street is trying to do as well. They've got an autistic character as well oh, now yeah. and a non-binary character. Oh, that's so good. And they like explain it in the terms for a kid to understand. Yeah, my son used to really love Mr. Tumble for a while. He mm. does like sign language as well. And he's like he plays all the characters in the family. Yeah. But his his main character, Mr. Tumble, he's like an adult, but he acts like a child and right. it's is supposed to be autistic or something yeah. so yeah it's really good and he does sign language for things so, and, and my son learned some sign language from that's it. cool mm. yeah my so, mum used to know sign language for her work we used, we learned it when I was younger because my, my brother has hearing aids and yeah. we didn't know how bad his hearing was going to be so mm. me and him learned some when we were younger but we've never no my mum used to because she used to work in a special needs school mm. so she used to be fluent in sign language so was my neighbour for some people it's easier to communicate that way isn't it yeah mm. yeah so she, and it's a lot easier to get attention on yeah. hands than it is maybe words especially if you, you're like obviously eye contact's not possible some stuff like that it's much easier to gesture down here yeah saying like you know what need do you help. need yeah yeah is it food water like you can do that. um so but i used to catch her and my neighbor but who also worked in a special needs school they were fluent in sign language and they used to come around to gossip or sorry mum, maybe it was gossiping but it definitely was <laughs> but like so they'd be talking and i'd be in the room because you just were when your mum yeah. and friends over yeah exactly and um then they'd suddenly go silent and i'd turn around and they'd be signing to each other and uh, i'm like what are you talking about tonight <laughs> <laughs> or me and her, my neighbour's daughter, were in a theatre school together. Yeah. And I used to catch them signing to each other dur- during a play. And I'm like, are you talking about us? Yeah. What are you saying? Because <laughs> obviously they're not speaking. So yeah. they're not, so they used to sign to each other during our performances. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking I really want to learn it properly. But... I think my mum's books are add still that there. My, add you have to, to my practice list it though. And like, if you're not that's practicing, the thing. Like, that's how I lost all my languages. Like I've lost yeah, relearning. Have you got no one to converse with? Like, how do you do it? Uh, yeah. So that anyway. a lot of them are definitely going to go on my list. I feel. Yeah. And I've got one last one because. Oh yeah. YA adult fiction because I am who I am. Mm. And this is our best teen and YA novels by black writers. Oh. This is this list. So I'm just going to do the top five. Endgame by Mallory Blackman. Oh, Look at the cover. Yeah. Is that from the Noughts and Crosses series? It's got crosses on, so I'm guessing... I've read the first one of that and I love it. Uh, a breathtaking conclusion to Mallory Bla- mm. Blackman's groundbreaking Noughts and Crosses dystopia, Endgame, absorbs the real-world issues of previous few years to provide a blisteringly topical and exciting read. Don't read any more because it's a big series so you don't want to uh, they actually don't anything. have much more Waterstones oh, okay. has a lot shorter um, descriptions I read the first one mm. and I loved it I really want to get to the rest of the series it's so good I feel like I've heard of it but not like done a I'm not seeing a review on... show about it recently okay The Upper World Femi Fadugba absolute disclaimer on the names please feel free to correct me anyone <laughs> 
effortlessly blending the gritty social realism of South London streets with brilliantly judged fantastical flourishes, Fagduba's assured debut centres on a boy who can see glimpses of the future and a girl desperately seeking answers about her parents. Oh, interesting. Instructions for dancing, Nicola Yoon. Oh, that's um the author of Every... Everywhere. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> that's the author of that, isn't it? <laughs> oh, uh, from the best-selling author of The Sun is Also a Star. That's it. No, yeah, that's The um, <laughs> Sun is Also a Star and... Um, yeah. It doesn't, have, it doesn't have what the else. The Sun is Also a Star is really good. That's another one I've heard of, but not... Um, I've got it if you yeah. want to borrow it. Everything, everything. It is called Everything, Everything. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I was doubting myself. I was like, that's not what it's called. I've got that both... some speedy research. I've got both of them if you want to read them. Oh, cool. <laughs> I'll add that to the... <laughs> oh, the lists just keep growing and growing. Um, the heart-wrenching story of Evie, who, thanks to an unusual gift she possesses, is increasingly disillusioned about love until one day at the dance studio she meets someone who might change her mind. Oh. She does really good books about love. Oh, yeah. and then this one I have heard of, Felix Ever After. Oh yeah, I read Case that. Case in Calendar. Mm. Maybe oh, that's why I've heard of it. I was going to suggest that. It. it was good. You read what it's about. Okay, so this is the synopsis: a wonderfully inclusive transgender love story. Calendar's important novel finds the eponymous. Can you guys just stop with the words? Like, put the, <laughs> put the thesauruses down. <laughs> Felix caught in an unlikely love triangle after he receives transphobic abuse from an anonymous source. It was really good. I read it at the same time as Cemetery Boys, and I couldn't help but draw... They're not similar, really. Yeah. But I couldn't help but compare them in my head, and I just really love Cemetery love Boys. Love Cemetery Boys, yeah. So I would definitely give Felix Ever After another shot, but it was good. It's very teen angsty ah good yeah <laughs> love it that and this list has like books like legend born which we've mentioned <laughs> i just saw that one excuse me while i ugly cry like because i'm that oh uh, yeah <laughs> um children of blood and bone i've got the full series of that yeah oh no i've only got two i think there's a third but someone on tiktok was like don't buy the third until you read the t- first two and i was like who are you <laughs> of course i'm lying <laughs> of course i'm gonna Shut do up. that <laughs> cinderella is dead which great I great book yeah, I thought I was really about to say you read that, yeah. 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 <laughs> I love that book. It's like a dystopian future where they all, the women are all have to live their lives based on what the ideal of Cinderella was. Oh. And they just have to get married off as soon as possible and blah, blah. And the main character doesn't want that life yeah. and she's gay. So she really doesn't want that life. <laughs> I knew really you would have read that because it's got Cinderella in it. Yeah, I love, I love retellings. <laughs> yeah. Have a look at the... the... Poison Heart, is that's on my list to yeah, read. It's the YA list. Yeah. So, Redemptor and... What's the first one? It called? looks like something I would have. Have I got it? Raybearer, oh, okay. That's what I got for you, Raybearer, yeah. yeah. I want to read them. They're by Jordan... Can't read your show. Ifuke? Ifuke, yeah. She's on TikTok. She's quite funny. Oh, I think that's probably how I found them. Yeah. Um, I want to read Poison Heart. That's by Caelan Barron, who also wrote Cinderella is Dead. And I want to read Concrete Rose. They've also recently turned that into a film, I think. Mm. It's by the author of The Hate You Give, Angie Thomas. Oh my god, I loved The Hate You Give. I think it's related. Really? I think so, off the top of my head. The Hate You Give yeah. was like, for me, when I read it, was such a yeah, impactful yet, book. But, yeah. Because you can empathise all you want, but it's not an experience I can share. But when it's 
for me, it's really powerful when it's narrated in like the first person format from inside that person's head as yeah. they're experiencing it. And it was just a not eye opening. It's not things I didn't know, but the the the, the feelings, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the fear, yeah. and that sort of stuff was. Yeah, it was really when I read it, it was very impactful. It made me cry a bunch. I really want to watch the film as well. I haven't read it yet because I feel like I'm gonna cry. Yeah, I do enjoy a cry, but still, it's it's quite it's intense, but in a good way. Because mm. she goes to a school that's a private school that they pay for. That her dad kind of is in a position with his business where he can yeah. pay for it, and he chose. So they. Li- so I imagine like her pupil, like the her classmates, all very much have very different opinions on what happened or whatever. Yes, and they don't know she's the witness the ah, whole time. So okay. she then hears her friends talk about her friend that died uh, and and the witness and all that as as though it's strangers and yeah. she's just sat there hearing mm-hmm. it. And then one of her friends, it turns out, has like her opinions start to come out a bit more, like things they were forgiving before. Yeah. That are like not overtly racist, but are. Mm-hmm. And those little half things she says, you know, like comments about hair or something, yeah, or yeah. you people, and like and them starting to pull up on that. Mm. And then she has a white boyfriend, so it's all about that as well. It's quite, it's quite interesting, especially for the, the black experience, because I can't remember where it's set, but it's they move out of like they call it the hood. Yeah, they move from the hood out of it during the book as well because of how much she's being hounded and attacked and stuff. So. Yeah, I thought it's. And obviously, this isn't. This is all recent books that are on this list, but I really um, found it quite interesting. Not a recent book, but I'm gonna actually talk about it in a future episode. But I will mention yeah. it now. The Color Purple, Alice. Walker. I've read it. You haven't. Read it. I have read you it. Have read it's it yeah. So good. And I think that's a brilliant book. Yeah. So so. Like good. I can't that even. Is, everyone should read that. When I, I read that, I was again. This is all history. I just didn't know properly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought that was so good when I read it. Yeah. And the way it's written as well, and like the lexicon as well yeah. of the time. Yeah, I really Yeah, so that. I think that that's a must read as um, well. I did really like the, another one that's it's no longer on the okay list because of the context, but The Help, oh. I thought was really interesting. But then it is like the whole white saviour thing. And then when you learn the actual author stole a lot of this the story oh really apparently oh. yeah so there's like lots of context to the actual author so that's now on like the mm. probably so don't pick it up Liz. it's in league with what's the one where she adopts a football player um, oh um the blind side blind side or? yeah that's now because it, it was kind of a white savior complex yeah of. i've not seen it but i know what it's about and it doesn't feel like something i'd want to watch or read. I really enjoyed it when I watched it, but then when someone kind of framed it in the context of like how it could be looked at, I was like, mm, take it with a pinch because of salt. Because that's not, it's based on a true story and that's not yeah. how the true story was. I don't really know. It's, I think it's been played up more. She had more of a saviour thing in the film than yeah. she did in real life. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I have anything else. I've... I think that was a good list. Like, good mixture of books that I definitely want to pick up so I'm just, I've got them all grouped these kind of books and then I read and this is a really old one and I'm going to have to refer to my blog really quickly to find the title because this was a really 
old book from the 1800s, like Victorian era. And it's a, I can't remember the name of the author, but it was a history of a slave girl written by herself or something. Oh. And it's, it's a person escaping, like, southern slavery. Hmm. And she, like, she lives in an attic for four or five years. Oh, wow. To try and escape and stuff. That's Um, crazy. We try and find the proper name of this because, and they are, it's actually written by the actual woman that went through this. Yeah. And then edited by someone who, because she, obviously she was taught to read later in life, read and write later in life, because it was, you know, the time. Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl? Yes. Would it be that one? Harriet Jacobs. Yep, there we go. I oh, that's a really good read as well. Because mm. then she escapes... 1861 to... it was first published. Yeah. Wow. She escapes to the north, but then they changed the law saying you can go and reclaim your slaves from the north if they run away. So if they are still indentured to you, indentured in quote marks, you could go up to the north and abduct them and bring them back south. And that was legal for a while. Sounds classy. So, yeah, they were trying to abolish... So slavery was abolished in the north. If you were in the north, you were free. Mm -hmm. But then they passed a law to try and stop the civil war happening that meant they could go up and reclaim. Have you seen those videos where I can't... I don't know. I can't remember who it is, but he's, like, talking to people on the street in America. You know when they, like... Sometimes yeah. celebrities or comedians go out and like, yeah. they did it in England with Brexit and yeah. trap idiots in the, yeah. And they're like, who who was the civil war between? And people mm. were like, um, France and Germany and like this kind of stuff. And it's like, what? <laughs> oh my God. And, and then what it... was it about? And they're like, oh, uh, it's to do with World War Two. Yeah. Who won? And they say, oh, well, we did, obviously. So the American Civil War was the North versus the South. Yeah. And that gets confused with the war where they kicked out the British. Yeah. Quite a lot as well. That gets confused with that. Um, And did you... There's a film about Harriet Tubman that came out the other year. And she's like... Such a cool story. Basically, she escaped uh, her plantation through the Underground Railroad and it's all about the Underground Railroad. So basically she escapes, she gets to freedom and then she's like, we need to bring more through, you don't know what's happening. Mm. And this is where a lot of, like the stories weren't really getting out there about what was happening. So Harriet Tobin then decides like, I'm going to become a rescuer, I'm going to become part of the Underground Railroad and then she brings back more people than anyone else including Mm. her entire family. She's like notorious throughout the South but she's like under under a name so she wears like a a hat and like a different outfit to make them think she's someone else. That's cool. And like literally she saves like hundreds of black lives and then she Mm. becomes, she was in charge of a regiment during the Civil War mm. on the north side and she then went and freed entire plantations full of people. And the so film cool. the film is her story. Oh, that sounds really cool. And it's, uh, the acting in it is just... Yeah. Like, it's such a good film, Emotional. though. Oh, that sounds cool. Um, mm. She's a very cool lady if you look up about her yeah, as well. Yeah. And she was like didn't really get that much hype in history until recently. Yeah. Standard, isn't it? Well, she is a woman and then also black. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well... I hope that some of that was um, Interesting. books that you might want to read. <laughs> Let us know of any that you think of, or any that you've read that we should pick up. Yep. Yeah. I mean, these are obviously very small curated lists, so yeah, yeah recommendations are welcome. Mm. And if you have any indie authors you'd like to recommend. Yes, please go to our website, which is 
lazybooklovers.wordpress.com yeah. and fill out the form on there and we will look into them and yeah. probably talk about them in a future episode. And if you've got suggestions for like future topics we can cover similar to this, you can get in touch with us on our Instagram. You can now obviously get in touch through our website. Like just talk to us. Yeah. Talk to us. Speak to you soon. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.